Well, welcome back, guys. This is the second podcast regarding living a life with kingdom perspective or heaven's perspective. Last session, Andre and I talked to you about how do we live with heaven's perspective. And just before we jumped on this call, my brother and I, we were talking about a book that I've been going through by Heidi Baker. And how, as I've been reading it, I have just, I have been wrecked for God. It's called Birthing the Miraculous by Heidi Baker. And quite honestly, I don't know that I have ever had any book that I've read completely wreck me, except for the Bible, of course. But this book, as I've been reading through it, um, it has just been challenging me in my thinking. It has been completely witnessing to me in my spirit. I mean, there's so many things. I feel just such a kindredness to this, uh, the writing that Heidi Baker's put out there. And it's really challenged my perspective. And I shared with, with Andre just a little bit ago that I feel undone. I literally feel undone in the presence of God because the Holy Spirit has just been pouring out on me as I've been going through this book. And I feel undone in his presence. And Andre and I started talking about being undone. And what exactly does that mean? Well, if you look at the actual reference in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit brought back to my mind Isaiah 6, 5. It says, I said, then I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen God, King, the Lord of hosts. Wow. So if we look at the word undone, it actually means to be dumb or silent, hence to fail or perish, to destroy, cease, to be cut down, cut off, destroy, be brought to silence, to be undone utterly. That seems pretty definitive. But that's how it feels. I feel as though all that I have planned, all that I had had set up in my mind's eye, so to speak, has completely come to death. But one thing we have to remember is when we lay our lives down before Christ, God breathes life into us. He resurrects us in His Spirit and in His presence and in His anointing so that we can be full of His Spirit so we can accomplish the work He has assigned to do in the Spirit, the attitude, and in the manner in which he called, not in the perspective, the attitude, or in the manner in which we think is right. Good, good. I mean, think about it. How many times have we as individuals tried to carry out a vision, a dream, or even an assignment at work in the way that we think was right, but we found that in the end, if we had done it differently, or if we had completed the task in the manner we were originally instructed by our boss, we would have saved five or ten steps. Yet a lot of times our perspective is tainted by the limited knowledge or viewpoint that we have. And I think you touched 
the other day, Andre, perfectly on this when you said, like, the basketball coach, that mm. he looks at the team from an outside perspective. Yeah. Because he doesn't see it from the inside. He <laughs> sees it from the outside and sees where everybody needs to be for maximum profitability of the team. Well, that's what we have to remember. Just because we think we might be best served in the United States or in England or in Australia or in South America, South Asia, or whom or wheresoever, does not mean that's where we are going to work best for the kingdom of God. But what if we think that we're going to be best in the business world, but we've been called to pastor a church? But what if we think that we've been called to pastor a church because that's in our mind's eye what we think is the ideal picture of someone that reaches the pinnacle of salvation? Well, what if that's not what you've been called to do? What if God wants you to own businesses, to raise up funds, to fund ministers that are going to go out into all the earth and preach the gospel? Wow. And he wants to bless people through you. He wants you to help the poor in your city, or he wants you to get the homeless out of being homeless and put them into being clothed and fully employed and having a home of their own. So instead of homeless, being hopeful. Right? That's good. So we've got to stop looking at ourselves from our perspective and say, okay, God, what is your vision for me? That's good, brother. That's good. I want, I want to uh, back up a little bit on some things that you were saying that um, extremely important. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned this deal to where basically a breaking. It's a breaking. You, the feeling of being undone, I think, is in in that scripture. Isaiah is looking. He sees the Lord high and lifted up, and the Bible says that his train filled the temple. And catching that heavenly perspective of who he was dealing with, he, this is the Lord of Hosts. This is God Almighty. Come on. That's when he, he realized, man, I'm I'm undone at this point. You know, this this is who this is who I'm. Now my eyes are seeing you. He, he was undone. He, he recognized his power. You know, it's like Peter when, um, and it just came to me. So Peter, when the Lord says, cast your nets over here and for a great catch, he realized he was in the presence of greatness. He realized he was in the presence of the Holy One. And he said, hey, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. It's like when we come face to face with God and his majesty, a lot of times that's, that's that, that type of feeling that we have. Thank God for Christ that we can still approach the throne boldly. But at the same time, we recognize who we're dealing with here. This is God Almighty. And one of the things, going back to this basketball analogy, because I feel like we can still squeeze some more more stuff out this basketball analogy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is, uh, you know, I remember I had a coach in, in high school, and we used to have to run these suicides. And the suicides, basically what they are is, you know, basketball court is like 90 feet long, but you run from the baseline to the foul line, back to the baseline. Then you run from the baseline to the three-point line, back to the baseline. Then you run from the baseline to the other, to the half court, back to the baseline. Then you run from the baseline back to the three-pointer, and so on and so forth. They call them suicides because you're absolutely miserable. You're miserable when you're doing it because it's, you feel like you're dying. But the point was, our coach wasn't doing it because he was cruel or because he wanted to get some kicks off of seeing us suffer. But he was doing it to prepare us for the battle. 
And not only that, but it was actually, it was literally, in, a, in a many senses, a breaking for us to be ready and prepared for the actual game type, game time situation. And so I believe God does the same thing with us. And, you know, there's a, there's a breaking. Not only that, I believe that the, the trials that we go through a lot of times is another way of him breaking. It's funny how after we've gone through something, we become a lot more sensitive to the needs of others. Before that, we can tend to be on a high horse, so we can tend to be puffed up. But when you go through something, a trial has a, a has an unusual way of humbling us to get us to the point to where we recognize our need for God. And so, you know, it's like Paul said, you know, now I would rather boast in my infirmities, boast in the things that I go through, because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong, because that's when the power of Christ rests on us even more. And so I believe no. this whole this whole transition is, I'll finish this last thought, the transition sure. is, is getting us from dependence on ourselves to dependence on him. And it's a painful process. Go ahead, brother. You know, you, you hit a key point there. It, it is a painful process. But when we're going through those transitions and we're going through those times in our life, we've got to remember that the heavenly perspective is the key. Hmm. Because what we fail to realize is when we're going through that trial and we're going through that pain, that is a point where we can be built up in our faith. Hmm. But many times as natural human beings, because no one likes pain, no one likes suffering, no one likes heartache. So we try to avoid those things. However, God knows if he allows it, see, he allows it, he does not create it. So if he allows us to go through the trial, surely there's a lesson. That's good. Surely there's a faith building. Surely Amen. there's a building up. Yeah. Think about it from this perspective. When you and I used to, I think you still lift weights. I do some exercise, but not like I used to. But in lifting weights, you don't get big muscle-wise if you don't have resistance, right? That's, that's good, man. Go ahead and chew on that for a while. I mean, if, if you uh, want to bulk up, there's three major things that have to happen. Number one, you're going to have to work hard and tear that muscle. Muscle will grow in, in the repair of the, of the muscle. Well, for the tissue to be to be repaired, to have to happen. One, it has to have proctrients, and then secondly, it has to have have for rest. Amazingly, it's exactly the same in the spirit. Mm. If we want to grow spiritually, we must be challenged in our faith. Come on. Oh, and, and then we must have proper nutrients, which is mm. the Word of God. Yeah. And then we have to have proper rest, which is resting in God and his presence. Not laboring, not doing ministry, resting in his presence. That's personal time, personal devotion with him. Good. Resting him, seeking him, allowing him just to minister, and then loving on him. Yeah. That's not laboring. That is resting in him. Without those three things, we cannot properly grow in him. 
We can memorize scriptures all day long. We can have knowledge coming out of the Library of Congress a thousand times over. Yeah. Knowledge puffs up. Yeah. Only relationship and rest in him will build up. That's good, brother. Brother, I, this is a, it's literally what you said was chock full of just a whole lot of great principles, man, and, and this, this walk that we have with the Lord. And one of the ones that I want to touch base, uh, touch back on is this idea, you know, I think as Christians a lot of times we think that we can grow without any type of discomfort, and that's simply not the case. And we use a lot of analogies in the natural, but really everything that we see was birthed out of the Spirit. You know, the Bible says that the things that are seen uh, didn't come from things that are temporal, but they came from the unseen world. You know, God spoke these things. And so there's a lot of mirroring and there's a lot of uh, analogies and parallels that we can we can connect. But the deal is, is that there's no growth without discomfort and pain. It's just the way, it's the way creation is wired. There's no growth without discomfort and pain. You know, I remember even, and I'm sure people listening, brother, you can, same thing, attest to this. You know, when I went, you know, my knees were hurting and, you know, different parts of my body are hurting and I'm like, what, what is going on? You know, um, you know, some, some guys experience all types of stuff, tenderness in the chest area and you have all these different things. You're like, what is going on? And the doctor says, don't worry about it. This is completely normal. How old are you? Oh yeah, that's normal. Because there's no growth without discomfort and pain. And so it is in the spirit. We, we can't grow up without having some sort of discomfort and some sort of pain. It's just part of it. And so we shouldn't think this is strange. Because we're believers, it doesn't exempt us from the pain. But thank God that there's a purpose in the pain. And one of the other things that I want to piggyback off of what you were saying, the, there's a purpose in the pain, like you said, it's not for no reason that we're going through something. There you go. And it, and it will be used for a purpose. You know, if you look at, uh, the trees, when that tree dies and falls, well, its bark starts to, it starts to, um, break down and actually goes back to the dust and it begins to feed everything else. And so there, there are insects that feed off that tree. The ground is enriched from the vitamins that the tree releases upon its death. It gets recycled. There's a purpose in that. And it's still, God doesn't waste anything. He's not a wasteful God. And so if we're going through something, we can be rest assured that he's going to use it. The Bible says that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So even in the pain, we can say there's a purpose. And it's being worked together for our good. Not just the good times, but also the tough times and the hard times. And that's so good. That's sweet. To use an old word from the 90s. That's really sweet. <laughs> you remember when people used to say sweet way back yeah, in the day? Man. Yes, sir. Yeah. We're dating ourselves now. We're of a certain generation. That's it, man. But, hey, you know what? There is not a generation when it comes to God and his kingdom. Good. We are a holy people. He didn't mm-hmm. say we are people groups. He said, we're a holy people, a holy nation. So we're a people unto him. So it doesn't matter if you're millennial or if you are, you know, honestly, I don't even remember what they called us because I never really 
It felt like a fit in any kind of tag that they used to give. Uh, will we Generation but X or it doesn't Generation matter. X or Boom, I don't know, whatever. It, I, I don't know what it was. But God doesn't see us that way. Quite honestly, he sees my nine-year-old son just like he sees me. And sometimes as an adult, we have a hard time thinking about it that way. Why? Because we are his children. And my young son is just just as much of a child of God as I am. And many times we try to overcomplicate the relationship we have with God. We've got to re-grasp that heavenly perspective and understand that as we go through those trials and we go through those heartaches and those pains, that we're growing in Him and that as we begin to move into His things, that just like you or myself, when we see our kids begin to move out and do great things, play a sport and succeed, we feel very proud of them. Well, Daddy God is very proud of us when we begin to take up the reins and do what we're called to do. And it really doesn't matter if you're called to preach, to be a businessman for the kingdom, to be a missionary, to be an evangelist, or just to be a housewife or a stay-at-home dad. If you are doing your part, fulfilling your call, and then witnessing and ministering to the world around you, because that's a call that we're all called to. Daddy God is very happy and proud, and he gets excited when we begin to excel in the things he's created us to do. Just like we get excited when our kid is playing football or basketball, and they they make a score or they block a play, and they stop the other team from scoring, or they steal the ball like in basketball, and they take it back down the field and pass it for the score, you know, we get excited for our children. Well, guess what? God gets excited for us. He yearns for us to be the best we can be in all that he created us to be. That's good, brother. That's good. You know... He he, des- he desires good things for us, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I like what you're saying. We're, we're to flourish where we're planted. You know, we need to flourish yes. where we're planted. And in any season you find yourself, maybe the goal or the destiny that God has for you is pastoring. But right now, it's so important that wherever you're at, whether it's a secular job, whether it's in the business world, whether it is a stay-at-home mom, whoever's where you're at. And for the stay-at-home moms, you know, my wife right now is a stay-at-home mom. And there's a struggle there. There's a struggle because you feel that there's more that you have to offer, not realizing that a stay-at-home mom and being involved in your child's life is probably one of the highest vocations and the greatest honors that you can have, period. You're investing in the next generation. You're investing in your children. And so it's, and I love the way God sees it. We're talking about heavenly perspective, that God doesn't overlook that and look at that as a small, a small thing, what you're doing. But really, in, in many respects, that can be much more important than a CEO of a company because you're feeding and you're nourishing the next generation. So um, encouragement to anybody. Anybody, if you're, if you're cleaning toilets, clean those toilets to the glory of God. If you're, there you go. Come on. If you're a janitor, do it to the glory of God. And I love 
what the word says. It says that God will bless the work of our hands. He's not going to bless us in, in, in laziness or wishful thinking, but as we work, he'll bless us right where we're at. So flourish where you're planted. That's I, the idea of Joseph. And I love Joseph's story. There's so much purpose in that story. We could see Brother, that's exactly as you've been talking. What came to my mind is the story of Joseph. Come on, unpack good. that thing. Good, good. And we, yes. So with Joseph, you have he has the dream, but the to, at, through the dream and to get to the dream, there's a lot of pain involved, and there's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs, and. The story of Joseph is really an extreme story if you think about it. But in our stories, there's always going to be that. There's going to be a time in the pit. There will be a time in the prison. There will be a time where we feel that we've been totally forgotten and we've been pushed aside. But even in that, there's a purpose in it. There's a purpose in that pain. And one thing about Joseph that we can take away from is no matter where he was, he he worked, he did it to the glory of God. He always kept the glory of God and the recognize, recognize, excuse me, the recognition that He was performing for an audience of one. Go ahead, brother. I, I think you got something. You got something to share on that. Story That's good, man. I mean, you know, think about Joseph for a minute. He gets a dream, just like you already unpacked a little, but he makes a critical mistake. He shares it with his brothers and his father. Two things there. One, he's from a family that serves Jehovah, the Almighty God, the one who created heaven and earth. And he thinks, wow, I've got the interpretation. Great. He forgets his brother and his father also can interpret dreams because they also spend time with Daddy God. So they immediately know exactly what that dream means. You notice there was no hesitation when they heard the dream that they knew they didn't have to go through seven steps to figure out he was talking about them falling down before their brother or their son. They knew. And they said, who are you to think that we're going to fall down and bow down before you? So he didn't see, as a child, he did not understand that there was a season of hiddenness like you just talked about where he needed to be hidden before God because of his immaturity. But see, that is the key as to why God will sometimes hide us, sometimes even from ourselves. Because he knows that sometimes as we move into different seasons of our life that we are not necessarily ready for where we're going and that we have a lot of lessons and a lot of faith building to get us to where we're going to go. Think about it like this. If God wants you to go raise the dead and you just got saved, but you really don't have an understanding of what that means, and you've not really been through any trials or tests to where you really have to put that faith in God, do you really know what it means to trust him to raise the dead when you lay your hands on someone to pray for them? Hmm. There is a season that the Lord will walk you through to build up your faith so that when you go out, you know that you know as surely as you're breathing that God is going to fulfill his word. Right. If you saw that or heard that he was calling you to give an altar call, to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to you know heal the blind, you know he's going to back you up because he's taking you through a season, through a testing, 
which has tried your faith, and you have watched him fulfill his end of the deal. Or you've watched him fulfill his word that he's already spoken to you. And you've also had to persevere in that, which built your faith. But if you just go out, it's kind of like this. If you and I are out in a dinghy in the ocean, and you and I have never used a boat before with paddles, and we have no engine, form kicks up, we're in trouble. First of all, we don't understand how the equipment works. We don't understand the nature of the ocean because we've not spent time on the ocean. Mm. And so we have no faith in our ability to carry out the task of getting ourselves back to shore in safety. Yeah. The very fact that we have no faith in ourselves to fulfill the task means we've already decided on failure. Why would God want you to go out to try to do a work if you have no faith that he can do what he says? Yeah. He wants you to be built up. Even the Apostle Paul, Paul of Silas, the one that was killing the Christians and got knocked off of his horse, blind, sight restored. The moment he received Christ as Lord and Savior, he began to start to preach. But then the Holy Spirit led him into a seven-year time of hiddenness. This was a man who was versed in the law, not from when he was a Christian, but pre-Christian, before Christ. He was being trained in the letter of the law. He was an expert in the law. Some historians even say that the Apostle Paul was part of the priestly group that had direct links into the, uh, I think they said like the... um, the high priest lineage, I think, somebody, I've read, think about it. This was a man who was highly taught and highly educated in Jewish law. Yet, right. he had yeah. to go into a time of hiddenness. I want to I say one thing, and um, I think this is a good place for us to start to wrap it up as well. I want to say with Paul, he, he became an expert in the law, as he said. And later on, he says, you know, the things that I thought were gain, I count them but lost so that I might win Christ. One, one, one of the things that I love about the Lord is, again, he doesn't waste anything that we go through. And that, that training and that him being an expert in the law really did come in handy to write these books with Romans and, and, you know, some say he wrote Hebrews and, and these different letters that really theologically are very profound. And, you know, if you look at Peter's letters, they're a lot simpler and, and they're, they're breakdown. But Paul was used in everything that he went through and even his past. God redeemed it and used it for his glory. So no matter where we're at, and maybe we feel like we just wasted time, and we feel like we're, we're off track, we're off kilter, and there's no way God can bring us back and use it for his glory, oh, man, I'm here to tell you that God can use anything, including our failures, including our mistakes, including things that we fell at were totally outside of his will. He can redeem those and use them for his glory because he is a redeeming, uh, he's in a redemption business. So just want to extend uh, to those of you who don't know Christ, uh, this is something that we always want to, we want to give an invitation every time we have one of these calls because it's so important that you know that 
everything that we talked about is this is the bread of the children. This is this is something that if you're part of the kingdom, you can experience as well. Like we serve a loving Father. We go through the same trials as as those who don't know Christ, but we have a very present help with us right in the midst of it, and He He helps us through, and we have a hope not just for here in the present here and now, but also for the future. And so if you don't know Christ and you you would like to receive that gift and, and be able to experience what we experience, uh, we want to extend this offer to you. Brother, if you want to go ahead and lead in that, in the first salvation, well, guys, that'd be awesome. Just like my brother told you, we never want to wrap this up without giving you the chance to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Romans 10.9 says that if we believe in our heart that Jesus is God, that he is the Son of God, and that he died and rose again, that we will be saved. So guys, if you would like to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're going to lead you in a simple prayer to help you in receiving the Lord. Just pray after me. Father God, I invite you into my heart to make my heart your dwelling place. I desire to be a host for your presence. God, fill me fresh and new with your Holy Spirit. I invite you, Holy Spirit, into me. Change me. Make me a new creation. I dedicate myself to you, Lord God. I ask you to change my nature. Make my nature one that is pure before you. And let me be a light. A light for you and your gospel, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you accepted Christ, you are truly saved. And we are excited and rejoice with you. Guys, God bless you, and we hope you have a wonderful day.